part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. So I'm playing injured tonight. I'm broadcasting injured. That's what the goats do. Mm. And I am a goat. I was playing kickball yesterday at Lighthouse Ah. at uh, Youth Group. Kickball. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that I would need to, you know, stretch or warm up or anything. It's just kickball. So I went out and I played kickball. Did a respectable showing. Against children? Against children. Children, well, they're you know they're junior high and high school kids. Okay. They're okay. not babies, um, and uh, and then old old men, you know, and women, <laughs> crippled people, and uh, but it was it was a respectable showing. I uh, I wasn't awful, and the game was over. We went in for the meeting, and in the back of my calf as I was walking in. It felt like uh, somebody jammed an ice pick in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, wow, I'm not going to be able to walk. But I was able to walk. But today, it doesn't feel like an ice pick is in there. But it feels like somebody like maybe had a ball-peen hammer last night and just steadily banged on it mm-hmm. all night long. I like how you took my, my statement that my hip hurt and you pivoted. And then you made it all about you. Mm-hmm. Well, but do you know why your hip hurts? Uh, See, that's what I was afraid of. I at least had, I I played kickball, which is interesting. But well, a sore injured. hip that's an inexplicably sore hip no, no, is not like, interesting. I, I sat wrong a few, like a week ago. Or oh, you sat. I played kickball. And then as I was painting... In the girls' room, I was going up and down the ladder multiple times, and it just got sore. And then last night, I re-injured it in the middle of the night while I was asleep. And I don't know what I did, except I woke up in pain. Uh, it, like, like caught. It caught. Your hip was, was caught. Like, ow! And then and I thought, that's going to hurt tomorrow, and it does. Have you ever had a charlie horse Coming yes. like like in the back of your calf. Yep. Of course, the front of your calf would be your shin, wouldn't it? The in in your calf, and especially if I lay on my stomach and my feet are flat against the bed, mm-hmm. it'll you can feel it coming. You. Yeah, and then you're like, oh no! <laughs> and so, what do you do when it comes on? Stand on it. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta work it out. You have to get out of bed and stand flat on it. I didn't know that. Just stretch it. Yeah. I would just lay in bed and sob and, and <laughs> roll around, roll around and sob, and uh, can look for something to amputate my leg. It's like it's it hurts so bad. Um, Ow! So yeah. see, every time I try to cross my leg, I like to cro- I like to cross my legs, but but you can't because your hip is sore. It hurts just the right side. Mm. I could cross my left leg if I wanted. There. 
But no that, problem. But that feels weird, doesn't it? Like when you cross a leg that you don't normally cross. I'll go back and forth, but I try to start with the right, and so then I, then like I trying to write with the other hand. Like if you're right handed, it's like picking up a pen with the other. I'm pretty ambidextrous yes, when it comes to leg crossing. Crossing your leg. Yeah. Here we are complaining about cramps and hip pains when we could have been crushed in a tiny submarine. <laughs> oh my god! So I think we should stop complaining. <laughs> Uh, that wasn't exactly the way that I thought we would get into this conversation, but, uh, leave it to Luke. He's got a way with words. He do. really does. Honest to goodness. I was, when I first heard about this and I guess it happened on Sunday. So like by Monday, it was, the submarine story was pretty wet, pretty ubiquitous. Um, I thought that is among the most horrifying things I have heard you know I mean anytime people are suffering some tragedy and there's and there's death involved it's terrifying but being in a submarine like a little submarine like that two miles or however long far it is uh, down pitch black apparently they bolt them in so you can't even open up the hatch not that you would be able to that far down anyway you wouldn't be able to open the hatch. Right. But just just that sort of claustrophobic experience makes me uh, uh I felt I felt genuine fear and anxiety when I heard that story. The pitch black part would get to me after a while. Mm-hmm. I feel like otherwise, I don't know. If you're a group of Christians, you just start singing hymns until you run out of air. I don't know. <laughs> What else are you gonna do? Is that all? What else are you gonna do? You're not gonna. Well, but you're not gonna paddle anywhere. No, but it didn't seem like. From from what I understand now, it didn't seem like they like lost power. I guess there was just a uh, breach in the hull, and it just right. imploded. Right. So it was quick. It was over pretty fast, which is great. It, that's the way to go. If you if anybody gives you a choice between getting smushed. By the pressure, or slowly running out of air at the bottom of the sea in a pitch black cylinder, go with the former. File that away. It's a better way to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was telling Luke this morning and Teresa, Luke's mom, when she was here, <clears throat> it's telling to me what kind of a society we're in right now when so many commenters are disgusted by the risk that was involved, like, serves you right. You should have known better for even this trying. This was easily avoidable. Yeah, for even yeah. trying to do something new, for even trying to be the first one to X, Y, Z. You deserve everything you've got coming because what you should do is sit at home and scroll on your phone 12 hours a day like everyone else <laughs> in your vicinity. You don't see us dying unexpectedly. Right. While we scroll on Facebook and judge you. So Friedman in Failure of Nerve, which is the book that I keep forgetting the title of, and I remembered it today, um, he talks about Despite this. Despite your painful hip. Yeah, I looked at it on the nightstand yesterday and went, I am going to remember that the next time I try to reference it. Yeah, your Here pa- I am. Your painful hip is not a failure of nerves. That's what they're <clears> for. <throat> That's true. My nerves are... F- my nerves are firing just like they're supposed to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he talks about the way that 
societies kind of ebb and flow like this. It's sort of cyclical where um, they, after a big collapse or after a big shakeup in a culture, then people tend to be more kind of like, what do we have to lose? Like we need to do something, you know, we're going to go and we're going to explore. We're going to go search out a new place that we might be able to call home, or we're going to go build something really big and, you know, people say we won't be able to. They may even be right, but right. heck, why not? You why know? not? Let's do it. And then there's a, this huge explosion uh, after an implosion of a culture, and people kind of get they get up the nerve to go try again. Then there's this explosion of culture again, and so people like he he keeps using the example of Columbus in the book, where you know there hadn't been any major development or or progress or you know, any leaps of technology for years, for several hundred years. And then Columbus is like, well, I'm going to sail west. And they're like, that's stupid. That's crazy. It's crazy. Nobody's ever done that. And he's like, well, I might die. Watch me. Hold my beer. That's true. I might die, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it's only if you have the nerve to try that you will ever succeed at anything. And so there, there are times in a society where everybody sort of has that understanding. It's like, look, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I don't have the nerve. I'm not the kind of person who's got an you know, adventurous spirit. Mm. But I at least recognize we need people in society who are willing to do that or we're going to stagnate and die out eventually. And we are definitely at a point in our society where risk is not valued it's it's amazing and it's sad and pathetic well, they're mocked they're mocked and they're ridiculed and there's derision for people right. who take risks because well, it's not we've safe. also devalued the word risk at all when we say that how brave it is for some woman to wear such and such on the red carpet it's like that's not bravery <laughs> what are you <laughs> no he's got a point right. he's got a point well, you're in healthcare. Like you pay people to risk assess and like try to mi- minimize risk <laughs> and all of that because it's a you bad got, thing. You got you got Columbus. You've got the <laughs> Apollo mission, and then you've got what's her name with that strapless gown on the red carpet. All of the what do these people all have in common? They're not afraid to uh, take a risk. Valor. <laughs> it was so stunning, so brave. Right. Oh, she wore those two, and her shoes don't match. <laughs> My yeah. goodness. But like, but yeah, it, it used to be, and it will be again, a sort of a common sense understanding that risk and bravery go hand in hand, and that bravery also is a good thing. That's not something that we should despise, even if, uh, even when some of the bravest among us end up sacrificing their their very lives on the altar of, you know, I tried. <laughs> it could have maybe gone better, but it didn't. It didn't. Right. Um, well, but we're not there. Not all that long ago, there were some people that went up into space and came back down, and they said the same things about them, but to a lesser degree because they came back down safely. Like William Shatner is still kicking around, and he's telling the tale, and there are people who were like, isn't that great? You know, he was as, as old as he is. He went up into space, and he... Got a tale to tell. So you haven't heard the people who are completely disgusted by oh, William yo, Shatner? Oh, no, I have. I'm saying that there's, yeah, there are there are people on that side too. But had they survived this, uh, this voyage to the Titanic, there would still be people who would have derision for them just going at all. Right. But it would, I think, be 
lesson. There would be there's a larger number of people who are sort of tisk clucking their tongues and shaking their head and going, yeah, well, those those are the risk, you know. And now and then there are people who are who are going, well, there's all these safety protocols that they weren't following, and a bunch of people told them that it was, you know, unsafe and and right. I suppose I I don't know enough about it to say, but. I find it a little difficult to believe that that they honestly thought that there was going to be some sort of a problem. You know, the, I th- I think that they weren't they weren't like just well, you know, all the experts are looking at this and they're saying it's just a rickety bucket and it's probably not going to make it. But let's go ahead and get in anyway and go down. I mean, the fact that the CEO of the company was on the sub in my mind says that he thought that they were going to be okay. I mean, you don't do that. If you think that there's a well, pretty good chance that you're going to fail. I don't know. Maybe Do maybe you? you don't. I'm saying that there have been men in history who had a who literally did think it was probably a fool's errand. I'm hail marrying this. This is our only shot at whatever and you know all the odds are stacked against us, but we're going to do it anyway because we really believe in the in the potential, like if Eesh. if it ends, you up, would get into a little bitty submarine and go two miles under as the they're ocean. Bolting you in. I'm telling you that You're throughout, like, probably not going to make it. Throughout history, mm. there have been. If you don't have something you're willing to do that for, if you don't have anything that would cause you to be able to go, well, you know, even despite the bad the bad odds, I still think that the thing itself, the goal, is is important enough that. We're going to do the best we can. I mean, we're obviously going to do our best to stack the odds in our favor. But if we can't, and this is as good as we can do, then then we're going to go ahead. And if you don't have something that you're willing to do that for, then then you're dead anyway. Like, that's the purpose. That's the point that, that Friedman makes in his book. He's like, there, there have been civilizations, and there will be civilizations again in the future, where the men, primarily, in that city or state or country, um, were aware that... They were expendable. Like their their lives were not even going. Their their lives weren't them theirs to keep. You know, and they would rather die fighting than die in a nursing home somewhere because it was like it's a waste. Like they consider that the waste. The waste is to have all of this human potential, to have these muscles, to have this brain, and to have this like craving just, for adventure. Just rack through all of these years on and the do planet. None of it. Yeah, do nothing with any of it. Right. We have been doing this for years. Like, remember back when, when they were doing the the challenge to try to survive going over Niagara and yeah. building all these contraptions? Yep. Like mm-hmm. that was similar to bolting yourself in and going down yep. to the depths. I mean Yep. You had, I don't know, a 50-50 chance of getting smashed on the yeah. rocks. Yep. Gosh, it's such an interesting... Tightrope walkers go in between yep, um, yep. Right. skyscrapers. Um, Billy Bob Thornton building an, a rocket in his barn. I didn't know that. Well, he... Yeah. <laughs> Remember that movie? <laughs> Is that a thing he did? It was based on a true story. It said... Oh, it wasn't actually Billy no, Bob No, it wasn't Thornton. Billy Bob, no. Okay. Somebody else. Gotcha. Anybody who, who dates, you know... Hollywood actress Taylor Swift putting themselves on the on the line. Yeah. Well, well what about the what about the uh apostles? You know, founding right. the church, oh, yeah. going out going out and and knowing right. knowing full well that they probably every time they walked into the crowd it could be the very last thing they ever do. Right. That's what I'm saying is you have to have a very firm foundation 
on what matters. You have to have a very, very solid grasp on what really matters and what your purpose is in order to make a decision like that. But once you do, then yeah, it it could be feasible that you would be asked to step out on a limb that's actually going to break underneath you, you know? And, and it, there was a time, again, a time in history where people, like the rest of society, even if they weren't the ones who were actually the first to test a parachute, you know, or the first to try to fly, <laughs> you know, the, even if they are not the one filling that role, they at least had a healthy respect for those who were. Right. And now right. we don't. Like now we feel perfectly morally superior to somebody who does a dangerous thing. We feel perfectly morally superior to say, well, that was stupid. And not only am I not going to mourn you, but I'm going to spit on your grave because right. you should have just sat here on <clears> your <throat> fat rump like I am you know, and not done anything. All of man's great accomplishments are built upon the horrifying wreckage of the failures. And you need to honor those who tried before. You're whispering. It's true. It's true. There were people... (laughs) Am I registering? Read some stuff about about Chuck Yeager, who was a test pilot um, years ago. And he flying jets and stuff like that. When, when jets would just explode, you know, <laughs> they would just just blow up. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's flying. I, I think I, I may be wrong about this. Somebody, Carl, if you know, then then you know. And and, and I may be wrong, but I think Chuck Yeager was uh, like the first guy to break the sound the barrier. sound barrier. I think I could be wrong about that, but. But he was he was a test pilot, and so he was he was the first guy to go up in all of these planes where people the engineers are done with them and they build them. And here's the prototype, and it's like, well, by our calculations, it should work. And Chuck is like, all right, and off he'd go. And uh, he had some harrowing experiences with things. He had to bail out and right. jump out. And right. What would possess somebody to do that? Well, yeah. I mean, I've heard it, I've heard it reasoned that. You are going to die eventually. You're going to die eventually. And, you know, is it better to uh, slowly shrivel up? You know, is it to slowly stick to your armchair because you haven't moved in four days? Is that a better, more dignified way to go? I'm not sure that, that it is. And Luke alluded to the idea that if the people taking these risks are Christians, that significantly reduces the like the risk side of the assessment like right. it becomes less of a risk when you have a promise of an eternal you know afterlife and so um that changes the way that you make these decisions but it's clear to me that most of the people in american culture today most of the people commenting on this story are not coming from a christian worldview they're not coming from the well. perspective that it's our job <laughs> to work it's our job to adventure it's our job to take risks and it's our job to accept the fact that our day is coming to die, whether it's sooner or later. And if you've thought through all those things, you're going to make different decisions. Well, there is also, I, while I agree with that, there is also the aspect of having a modicum of sympathy and compassion for people who are who are suffering. I mean, I just, like I said, I, I put myself in that little submarine um, when I thought that they were just sitting down there without power. <laughs> and I thought, I, I can't think of anything that would be more terrifying to be 
what's going to happen? You know, we've only got so much air. We can't see each other. It's cold. Um, there's no heat. And, uh, and so there's a, just having, having some empathy and some sympathy for other human beings in a situation that I would personally not want to be in. I would rather do that. The thing that gets me with space movies, when the, the person with the spacesuit starts to fly away and they're not sure if they can get that to me, the, the endless floating in space <laughs> until your oxygen runs out would be more terrifying right. than the darkness of the ocean. I don't well, know. I just have that feeling every time I watch those movies. I was like, oh, please get them. That would be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> At least there's stars in space. Yeah, there's some You're stars. Not blind. You, can see. you could see You're some stars. See I guess. You could also go ahead and just raise your visor and get it over with. That's true. That was the thing that occurred to me in that in the bottom of that submarine. What would you how would you even you you can't open the hatch. That's one of the guys at work said, I just opened the hatch. And I said, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> There's no way to do it from the inside. Ugh. But what was, uh, what was I, I don't want to say interesting, <coughs> the number of people who just said outrageously uh, vitriolic and hateful things about those people in public was what, you and I were talking about a little bit, Peach, and you called them RPG people. Right. <coughs> Roleplay gamers. I am not going to be able to open this up because my phone has been not working. I don't know if Facebook is down. I was going to read some of the said <coughs> comments for context. Context is always good. Well, let me open up. If Facebook's open. Mm -hmm. Ugh, why is my phone doing this? Um, so give some context while I pull this up. Well, I'm, what I'm saying is that people do not treat um, video games <coughs> like real life. They think it's fictional. They think it's play. They, they do it during recreation time. They, f they flip open their phone and they put on a mask. They, they wear a suit and they play a character. And so, in, you know, in their minds... It's just kind of like Grand Theft Auto. You know, it's sort of cathartic. We get to go on Facebook, usually using a false, a, you know, anonymous account, although not always. Sometimes they're moms with kids in their profile picture and mm. stuff, um, which is especially horrifying in my opinion. But, but it's like, oh, it's just, it's just talk. You know, it's just the internet. And this is just how people talk on the internet. And in, in their minds, it's justified because... You know, they're not totally serious. They're just trolling. And it doesn't make that big of a difference anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I, I call them RPG people, mainly because we were talking about Dungeons and Dragons recently. And I was like, you know, on the one hand, I understand being frustrated with the, like, you know, doom and gloom preachers of the 80s with the satanic panic who were like, hey, if you even so much as think about playing a role play game like this, it's probably going to invite Satan directly into your soul, you know, and you will go straight to hell. That's Correct. a little bit extreme. But at the same time... Well, it turns out it wasn't as extreme as we might have thought. But Right. I mean, it turns out that if you are regularly, habitually telling yourself you're the master of your own destiny and you get to be whoever you want to be, you can create whatever identity you want to create. And if it feels good, do it. And that's the fantasy world you live in all the time. Like... People are on their phones like four, five, six hours a day. 
And if that's the reality you've crafted for yourself, yeah, at what point do you have to recognize that you've crossed over and like that you're liter- you're littering it, literally living in a hell of your own making? Like that's that's what you're seeing. You're seeing these people who have done sort of the slow boil of the frog um, and and stepped one one tiny step at a time into this persona that that originally they thought was just fictional. You know, Luke used to play Fable on Xbox, mm-hmm. and you get to choose: do you want to be a good character or an evil character? And the more chickens you kick and you know people I you kidnap. I was always a good character. I couldn't bring myself to do the evil <laughs> yeah, stuff. I was the same, but. To clarify, chicken kicking is neutral. Oh, chicken kicking is neutral. Okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry to those of you who, for All my pharisaical, sorry for my pharisaical lawmaking. That, that's not how you play fable. If uh, you so would I like said, to kick a chicken on the Sabbath, you that is permissible. I said if you have no compassion for those people in the submarine because they're billionaires, you're proof that not all awful people are rich. Right. I got 695... Uh, reactions. Well, first of all, you made a move in the game, right? So you made a statement. To right. them, that's like that's like the game saying, okay, you have a challenger. How would you like to proceed? How would you would like, you to, like proceed? to apologize to him and offer to be friends and allies moving forward? Or would you like to kick him mm-hmm. in the head? And, and what did they choose? many of them chose to kick me. Uh, <laughs> Do you think, do you think, one of the comments, do you think that they would have compassion for you if you were missing? Do you think that you <laughs> would even make worldwide news so they could know that you were missing to possibly have compassion for you? The answer to all of that is no. And so that was one of the sentiments that got voiced repeatedly is the fact that because they wouldn't, they, I don't think that they would think about you, so it's okay for me to have no compassion on them. You know, right. they're, I, I don't have to extend compassion to people who would not extend compassion to me. They wouldn't, they wouldn't even know that you were down there because you wouldn't be on the news. Right. And therefore, now that I do know that they're down there, it is okay for me to be savage, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And uh, let's see. Some of these I can't read because they have bad words in them. Censor them. Come on. Uh, Use the word um, Now, I remember submarine. our entire country <laughs> holding its breath for, like, the Chilean <laughs> or Filipino. Those are working class. The miners. Mm-hmm. Right. They were, they were working and doing their right. jobs. They were not billionaires. They were not billionaires, and they were not white. Yes. that's part. Those are two parts of it. But also, we've, we've gone further down this RPG rabbit hole, and so people are getting more and more vile. Ten years ago... Um, when we posted a picture of the family on dad's Facebook page, a troll wouldn't touch it. Like, even if they were absolutely, you know, flooding one of his other posts, if they saw children in the picture, they would know, oh, that's a step too far. Like, even mm-hmm. I can't be that vicious, or even I can't can't choose something that overtly evil. But just a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy who comments under all of their smiling faces, ew, this is disgusting, stop breeding. And so, like, they're starting to realize that, ooh, it's a thrill, even more of a thrill when we get to push that bar further and further. Mm-hmm. So We're reaching a point where the only people in America having children will be religious people. Um, uh, I don't know. If although you would ever... argue that everybody's religious. But... So uh, I'm sure that they're in that submarine worrying about all the people that have it worse than them. No, they aren't doing that. It's okay not to care about them. You don't know them. 
People die every day doing stupid stuff, and these billionaires are no different. Mm-hmm. You don't know them, and uh, they're they're not working. They're not worrying about people who have it worse than them, as they are trapped in a submarine two miles underneath. <laughs> they're how, not thinking how long about, is that list? <laughs> they're not thinking about all the people who are worse off than right. them, trapped in about, a submarine. They're not thinking about all those American citizens who can't manage to get minimum wage increased to seventeen dollars right. an hour. Right. <laughs> uh, so, and and then there was no compassion here. Bye. Plus, marine life will be thankful their menu will be different for a while around that area. Laughing emoji. And those, that was the one that made me go, okay, <clears throat> this is a guy uh, who's, who's not being uh, genuine. Because mm-hmm. if he would not say that if he was dealing with um, family members or friends or right. face-to-face. And so this is a guy who's role-playing right. online. Right, he put on a caricature of a human being. He's mm-hmm. he's you know masquerading, and when you go to a party where everybody is wearing a mask, you get to be whoever you want to be for the night. Um, mm-hmm. But that that high gets to the point where you need more and more and more of the drug in order to maintain it. And well, that's, your point you know, was earlier that <clears throat> if you are if you are role playing, if you're if you're pretending to think a certain way or be a certain certain way, um, how how do you differentiate? How do you how do you differentiate reality from quote unquote role playing? Because we're always playing a role of some sort. You know, we're we're always. You get up in the morning and you go to work or you go to school or you or you do whatever it is you do around the house, but that that's playing a role. It's you're actually doing things rather than than just imagining doing things, but you're you're still living it. You're still you're consciously engaged in a in a role, in a tale of some sort. Right. And you're you're mind and your spirit um how does it how, how do you keep those things separate if you are con- and i think that was your point that you you gradually start to blur those lines and you gradually start to become the thing that you said you were only pretending to do but that actually becomes becomes who you are um gradually right well i I don't even know how gradual it is. I think it just, I think the only gradual thing is that gradually some people realize that that has what's happened and they find themselves in boiling water, you know, but I think that the actual decision is kind of pretty instantaneous. Like I think once you say, yes, I am agreeing to play part in this thing. Yes, I am going to hit send on this comment. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's not gradual. You know, you, you chose it. And if you chose it because you told yourself that it's just pretend or it's not real or you're still hanging on to the, the good person that you really truly are, even though good people don't say stuff like that. Um, the only thing that's gradual is you, you realizing that you've been lying to yourself the whole time, you know. Um, but, but the choice was uh, a, a once, there's a, there's a point where the choice was made. You know, there's a, 
there's a crossroads or there's a fork in the road where you choose to take one or the other. And Luke hasn't heard the interviews that I was listening to this week while I was painting the girls' room. Mm-hmm. Um, but one in particular was... You're messing up her hip. Yeah, I messed... Well, not helping it anyway. I mm-hmm. messed it up and then aggravated it repeatedly. But at any rate, um, I was listening to Michael Knowles' interview. First of all, he interviewed an exorcist. Um, so that was interesting. He talked a little bit about like decisions that people make, contracts with the devil. And of course, Michael is pushing back a little bit because he's like, you know, to a skeptic or an unbeliever, that just seems crazy. It sounds like what you're saying is, you know, that the devil went down to Georgia <laughs> and was like, here, you know, sell your soul to me and and then you'll know how to play the fiddle or whatever the <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. that song is all about. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, if you think about it, like, what is the, the practical difference between somebody who sells their soul to the devil, you know, with a written contract and somebody who just makes a conscious choice to do a thing that they know they're better than or they know a good person wouldn't do, but they're still going to keep telling themselves they're a good person anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's the practical difference between that? Because the actions are the same and the results are the same. So um, that I think, related, I think there is yeah. ultimately a difference. Um, I've heard it said that like when Satan tempted Jesus in the desert and he offered them him the kingdoms, that he literally could have done that. He he can give fame and he can give worldly things that ultimately end up in death, but that he does have the power to do that. Uh-huh. And so I, I think a lot of people have legitimately sought that from him right i right but what i'm saying is that there is no for a skeptic who doesn't believe that satan is a person or they don't believe that he literally exists in any sort of material you know sense Mm -hmm. that it Mm -hmm. sounds like it's just a hollywood movie script or it sounds like something that you would see in a cheesy you know camp (laughs) skit or something Right. right um but what he's saying is we see that that story play out over and over and over again, because people who claim they don't believe in the devil are still eating from his table and still speaking his language and still agreeing with his tactics while still simultaneously telling themselves they're good and they don't believe in Satan. Right. Well, there's a lot of rationalization that takes place, basically. There, there's, a, there's a lot of, well... I'm not as bad as they do. You tend to do comparisons. Right. You're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but at least I'm not doing that. Right. You know, I may be doing this and that's probably not the best idea, but at least it's not that. And so I, I think that's how a lot of it happens. People will go, um, well, we talked about the Me Too movement that happened a couple of three years ago where all of these women coming out of the woodwork, you know, I was abused and I was taken advantage of and and at that time we were saying mm, no it was a contract you you sold your soul or your body right. for bad. for a part and right. now you now you feel shame about that and you should you probably felt shame when it was happening too but you wanted the part you wanted to be a starlet and that's the cost of being a starlet and so now you come back and go, well, it's, it was wrong. I was taken advantage of, and these people are predators. And it's like, no, you, it was a, you preyed on each other. He, you the, used the, the, each other. he, you used each other, right? Yeah. He, he told you that he would give you a part, and you wanted a part, so you used 
him to get what you wanted and he used you to get what he wanted and now and so and that's it so both of you both of you have signed a contract with satan and now it feels bad yeah um but the interview that i found the most fascinating was um michael knowles and joshua something Something. i'm looking it up joshua something um oh here it is it's called journey of a former porn star that's the hush just a second Tell the rest of them about you. So this is not the exorcist. Joshua Broom. He he used to be a sorcist. Now he's an exorcist. No. 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 This is a different interview. Okay. He talked to father something or another. That's the exorcist. This guy's not Catholic. Um, But he... (laughs) He talks about the like predatory nature of the porn industry because he testifies no. that he <laughs> was kind of lured in when he was a struggling actor. Actually, he wasn't even really struggling. He was doing better than a lot of people um, where he uh, had an agent and had done a couple of things, but it wasn't going as well as quickly as he would have liked. And so to hear him, obviously I'm not going to be able to tell the story as well as he did, but to hear him tell it, he he's like, well, I didn't think that, anything bad could happen. He was like, literally, I just thought, well, this could maybe bolster my acting career or nothing will happen. Like, those were the only options that he imagined. He didn't see any negative consequences. Yeah. And I was like, that amazes me, but continue. Yeah. I'm I'm intrigued. Go on. Yeah. And so basically he shoots one scene with one filmmaker and like within a few days, it just takes off and goes mega viral. And when like 50,000 people had, or I mean, 50 million people had seen it, something like that. This is porn of this some is sort. porn, yeah. yeah. He, once 50 million people saw the video, his agent calls him and is like, we're going to have to drop you because we're not that kind of a agency, you know? And so <laughs> we're going to have to let you go. And he said, that was the first moment. <laughs> oh! <laughs> That was the first moment where he thought. Gosh, I didn't even think about oh, that. Oh wow, cons! There are yeah. cons to this, and yeah. so he, he spent... genuinely thought that any sort of fame is good. And right. so it's like if I if I make a video and I'm 50 million people see it, that'll help my career. Right, it's exposure. Yeah. You know, it's it's no there's no such <laughs> thing as bad press. Right, and that's just not true. But um, but he spent I think 11 years <clears throat> in the industry. He was talking. He answered a whole bunch of interesting questions from Michael about how it works. Like, you know, how much do you know of your coworkers? Like this guy was testifying that um, people would try to have relationships. Like they they would try to have healthy, normal relationships and like go on dates with people, sometimes double dates with others in the industry. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's just almost laughable. If If it weren't so tragic, it would be funny because they would sit down to dinner and it's like, I've slept with your girlfriend and you've slept with mine usually multiple times, but now we're going to sit here at dinner and try to behave like normal monogamous people people in this restaurant, you know? And of course it just didn't work, but he, he spent most of the interview. It's like two hours. Right. But it's important to, it's important to remember that they're thinking about this as they're actors. They're actors in a film. So they're just playing, they're just playing a role. Right. They happen to do it naked. um, Right. but, But it's RPG. Right. He spent the majority of the interview explaining to Michael the role that the stage name plays and how for that long, for so long, he convinced himself that he, 
Joshua was not doing these things, right. it was but it was the stage, stage guy, the right. stage name who did those things. And um, it wasn't until his like avatar, he had, he had uh, lost contact, not lost. He had cut contact with like everybody from his hometown, including his own mother. The only people he ever talked to were people in the industry, but he also felt like a sense of shame about everything. And so he, mm-hmm. he said he mostly just kind of stayed home and he just made money a ton. I mean, he made a ton of money, but then he didn't really go out unless he was paid to make an appearance at a party or something like that. He just stayed home because there was a part of him that realized that was where people went to die. You know, he was like, he, so he didn't really get uh, caught up in the drug scene, which so many of them do. He never really. Well, you can't have a social life. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knew if he did, like he, he saw where that went. He actually said that he knows personally or knew 30 different people that he had actual regular contact with who are no longer living either because of an accidental drug overdose or they killed themselves. And he's like, you know, Michael says, you know, if I was the CEO of some company somewhere, if I'm selling some product and it gets back to me that just two people have died as a result of like being employed by me because my factory conditions or whatever else are so bad that like people are taking their own lives. He's like, that would bother me. And so they kind of they kind of uh, pride into that motivation of the people who are at the top, like filmmakers mm-hmm. and you know producers and things. He's like, well, what would cause a person to just not care? And I think the consensus was basically the same thing. Everybody from the top down is playing a part. They're telling right. themselves that this is a completely different human being. That the the real them, the core identity, is a different thing, and they've managed to protect right. that right. by just doing all the bad stuff in the name of. Stage name. Yep. And I, I think that that is a thing that happens not just in the porn industry, but I think a lot of people go through the motions of playing a role. Yeah. And they do, and they and they tell, they disassociate. They disassociate from right. the person that's doing the thing that they're not a, a proud of because the real me objects to this. The real me sees that this is, would never talk like this. Right. The real me would never <laughs> leave a comment like that. Really? And yeah. so, yeah, and so I'm, I'm, this is, this is not me. I'm role-playing. I'm, I'm, I'm just pretending. And I can stop pretending anytime I want and right. be the real me. I, I don't know. I think there's enough of those comments that, are just that it's just a, an outpouring of their nihilism that none of it matters anyway. That's probably true for some. That's probably true for some. Or eventually that's where it gets. But I, I do think that there is that human beings made in the image of God have a thing that they can't escape. And that is the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of right and wrong. I was listening to a podcast today with a comedian named Andrew Frank. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he had a um, Christian parents. Dad was a pastor, went to a Christian school, I believe went to church camp. And then now all of his comedy is deconstructionist. Right. It's, you know, myth jesus wasn't a deity all of this stuff um and he he was talking to the podcast about how his parents don't really they don't like his material or his worldview and he didn't really have a relationship with them anymore and i was like he he sold he sold out and it's it's the same story you hear from a lot of kids who for whatever reason they choose to laugh over their parents you know contrast that to like our friend jt oaks who would choose his parents and then yeah, he'll give up a little bit of fame, maybe, but right. in the end, having values. Mm-hmm. 
well having a having a uh, yeah having a sense that that who I am is is inescapable and it, and how how I talk online even when I'm just even when I think I'm kidding it is still representative of 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 how I think and who I am um and it's it's dangerous to mess around with that we, we we talked about guys or people who are actors who empty themselves in order to play a role you know we talked about that a couple of years ago and i thought that that was interesting that you know these people get into this method acting and they actually become the character that they're playing and some of it's really dark and jonathan winters um who was a comedian a long time ago before you guys were alive and uh he got, he went into a role and and disappeared. I mean, he he was really? like, he, he he lost his mind. He couldn't he couldn't come back from that. Um, he eventually did later in life, but he disappeared for a long time because he he lost his mind. Went into a character, couldn't get back. And so I I think that I, I, that there definitely are evil forces out there. I definitely do believe in demons and Satan, and I and I do think that he's smarter than people and that's the reason that we have to put on the armor of god and that's the reason the bible says you have to be armored against it because you will not stand you can't you can't fight them off uh, by yourself and people satan has is smart enough to convince people that it's not that big a deal right you know? well if you want to worry be- about it if you want to be encouraged, if you want to be first discouraged, I don't. I want to be miserable. Okay, well, if you want to be first discouraged and <laughs> then encouraged, go and read the comments under some of those posts on the John Brandy comedy page, because it's total depravity. I mean, for all you Calvinists out there, <laughs> is this is going to encourage them? Well, it should because it should be a stark reminder that, like, if if everybody still lived in like. Um, the Stepford, you know, cities where where most people at least had enough residual Christianity from their childhoods that they like kept a pretty, they kept a pretty straight and straight laced persona well, in the public. Judeo Christian you know. ethic sort of swept everybody along like a big yeah. wave. It, it was harder to find these examples, but yeah. like if you want reminding that the Bible is true and that like spiritual warfare is a reality, you have to stop letting people laugh when when you say demons exist and they immediately think, well, I played with the Ouija board once and nobody levitated off the couch. You right. know, it's like that's not what I'm talking about. Look around at this flood of perfect strangers who feel completely comfortable using their sometimes real face and their real name underneath or next to these comments that are just despicable celebrating death laughing at people's tragedy you know and then no compassion for me they did a stupid thing they don't have any compassion for other people so i don't have any compassion for them and they're just wondering if that's if you're wondering whether that kind of thing still exists somewhere it does Mm -hmm. and then you can be encouraged because that like that contrast between darkness and light should be where the encouragement is because if you've been stuck in a christian bubble all this time and you didn't know that still was out there in the world take heart because um with as bad as bad can be um the goodness of christ is better and and overcomes and can triumph and um you know push away the darkness and um 
Well, it's encouraging. It's encouraging that you recognize it. I mean, when when you when you recognize it as darkness and evil, that's encouraging because if 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 it wasn't appalling, uh, I would be I would be appalled. It would be appalling if it wasn't. If it'd it would be appalling, appalling if it wasn't appalling. Yeah. Well, no, that's you, just it. You, you got to notice it. If, you, if you're, if you can look at, if you can read the comments on my wall and go, my goodness, that is some, that is some wicked stuff. Yeah, messed and, up. And it's like, yeah, congratulations. Right. Because it would be means, very easy to join them in justifying it. Right. In order very to, easy to shoo it away and say, well, it's just a billionaire that I don't even know in real life. In order to see the darkness, you have to have some concept of light. And so a good that's, person that's, could totally that's, that's say generally the role you play on social media is you just shine your flashlight into the dark corners and, and listen out to everybody these, howl. Out these things crawl. <laughs> <laughs>for visiting the comedian's house if you want to spend more time with our family you can follow john branion on youtube and facebook also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions we'll see you next time